Hey everybody, welcome back to The Taste. This is Doug Schaefer at Schaefer Vineyards in Napa Valley. It's great to be back and talking to someone today who has energy and talent that just won't quit. Christy Kerr has been at the top of LPGA golf since the early 2000s. She's raised millions for charity and today she's a Napa Valley vintner with a big love for wine. I've been looking forward to this for a long time, so let's get started. Hey everybody, Doug Schaefer. Welcome back to The Taste. Um, Because we're in these crazy times, I'm going to give you the date. We're recording on Tuesday, April 21st, 2020 uh, via phone and uh, technology. And we've got a great guest today, Christy Kerr. Um, Christy, you have to bear with me. I've got to tell everybody all about you. One of the most accomplished, (laughs) accomplished athletes in women's golf. She's accumulated 20 LPGA victories, including two major championships, nine Solheim Cup appearances, four Wendy's Tour victories, and over 180 top 10 finishes. She's involved in fundraising for a ton of incredible charitable organizations, which we'll talk about. She's got a ton of accomplishments. She's got two little kids. She's stuck at home. And and on top of that, she's a Napa Valley Vintner. So, Christy, welcome to The Taste. Thank you for having me. I'm I'm very I'm very honored to be in, in great company on this uh, uh, podcast. Hey, are you kidding? Are you are, you can st- you can stick greens and hit the golf ball like really really well. I'm in, I'm honored to be talking to you. In fact, I'm really upset you're not here because I need some help with my short game. But I I need a lot of help with my short game. But anyway, uh, how you doing? Where are you guys at? Where are you Where are you hold up right now? We are in sunny Scottsdale, Arizona, where the golf courses are still open. Wow. And, um, yeah, yeah. Only, but I mean, the clubs only allow members to come and you have to go on separate carts or walk. Right. And, um, you know, some of the hiking trails are still open, which is nice because it's going to get up into the upper nineties next week. So enjoy the good weather while we have it. Nice. Nice. I was going to ask you about practicing because the golf courses around here are shut down. So, uh, I was wondering if you were able to play in practice. That's that's good news, I guess, huh? Yeah, I mean, nobody really knows when we're going to start back. So I think we're supposed to hear something on May 1st from the LPGA. Um, nobody really knows. I mean, we're going to have at least six weeks um, to prep before the, the, I would say, the first event back. Right. Uh, which who knows when that'll be and who knows what that's going to look like. Um, fans or no fans. So there'll be plenty of time, you know, I mean, and I have two young kids and they keep keep me very busy and we have to homeschool our six-year-old now because all the schools are closed through the end of the year. So it's still pretty busy. I've, I've actually learned um, to enjoy cleaning my house (laughs) (laughs) and uh, drinking a lot of wine, trying, trying to get some business done. Um, uh, I am also studying to be a sommelier. I passed my level one with the court of master sommeliers two years ago. So take it pretty seriously. Oh, good for you. That's really, Thanks. That's good. I saw that. We'll talk more about that in a minute. But let's start in the beginning. Where, to, you know, where were you born? Where did you grow up? Let's go all the way back. Whoa, going way back. Yeah, we're going way, way back. back. Um, I was born uh, on Miami Beach uh, in Florida, uh, Mount Sinai Hospital, and lived there pretty much until I was 20 and then started traveling around the world playing professional golf. Wow. Uh, lived in Miami, California, Texas, um, you know, from traveling around, just playing. I just fell in love with Arizona and the desert. It was completely different than what I grew up with, which were palm trees and water. And this is desert and mountains. And 
drier climate, um, no humidity. So I just kind of, I, I fell in love with, with Scottsdale, you know, coming here, playing in LPGA events. And, you know, my husband and I came, you know, uh, for a decade before we decided to finally move there part-time and subsequently full-time. So, uh, you know, pretty busy. There you go. So growing up, siblings, mom and dad, what were they, what were they doing? Did you have any siblings? How did that all work out? I had a half sister, 10 years older, but we had different fathers and she lived in New York and Connecticut and stuff. And I didn't really right. see her much. So we're not real close. Um, but her half brother, Stevie Lewis is, I consider to be like my brother, 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 even though, you know, he's got no blood relation right. um, to me, which is, you know, that's sometimes that's the way family works out. So, um, and my mom and dad, uh, they're from New York. They, they moved down to Florida before I was born. Um, so all my family is either in Long Island or Manhattan um, still. And um, they've been divorced for like 30 years. So um, yeah. I just moved my mom out to Scottsdale actually. Oh, great. I had a I had a stint in Arizona. I taught junior high school in Tucson back before I got into making wine. So, Tucson's uh, like the wild, wild west. <laughs> still, it, it's still it's still that way. Yeah, I can believe it. It was well, then too. It's definitely <clears throat> dustier, like a more artsy town, right? Um, than uh, than Phoenix is more metro. Yeah, yeah. How about uh, wine at home? Growing up, was that part of the home scene? No, it wasn't. It wasn't. It, it definitely wasn't, um, you know, neither of my parents really drank and, um, it wasn't until I started traveling around the world and playing in golf tournaments all over the place. And finally got to the opportunity in the late nineties, early two thousands for four or five years in a row to play in the Samsung world championship of women's golf. It was a top 30 invite only no cut event, which right. is great for the Napa Valley. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, I had just come of age to drink and just started going around wine tasting and, with my friends played prex runs really early and just really enjoyed the Valley and got to meet a lot of people. And over many, many years, over 12 years of going there, made a lot of friends, vintners, winemakers, um, just fell in love with it. Yeah. I'm curious about you and golf because, you know, you started playing at age eight. How did that happen? How did, how did the whole golf thing happen for you? Well, um, you know, growing up in Miami is kind of a rough place to, to grow up. Uh, there's a lot of crime. There's a lot of drugs. And um, my parents were, my father was a school teacher. My mom was like a paralegal. And, um, you know, my father really stressed academics to me and getting me involved in sports, um, just a way of just keeping me out of trouble. Like any youth down there, huh. you need them to give them positive influences um, so that they can you know, grow up with the right morality, the right values. And, um, you know, both of my parents were the athletes that almost made it to the professional ranks. Um, uh, my mom was a swimmer. My dad played baseball, but, but didn't quite make it. Uh -huh. So I guess I was the one in the family that, that made it. They just, they tried a lot of different sports with me and, um, and golf was the one that stuck. And, um, I guess I made it. <laughs> Well, that's cool. What, any other, other sports while you were doing the golf thing, high school team sports, anything like that or not? I mean, I tried tennis. I wasn't great at tennis. Um, I was very good academically. I could have gone to college on an academic scholarship. Um, I, I did bowling when I, when I grew up, I, <laughs> you know, I tried like, you know, girls softball and stuff and, but golf was really the one that just stuck. That's pretty cool. And, yeah. uh, and I read like, so you played in high school, right? On the golf team? I did. I did play in high school. I played on the boys team um, for nearly four years because they didn't have a 
a women's team. So oh. I, I had to compete against the boys. How was that? <laughs> I, it was tough in the beginning because yeah. they didn't want to, you know, they didn't want a girl to compete against them or with them. And, um, you know, subsequently beat them. But, um, <laughs> it was, um, you know, my, my dad always said it best, let your clubs do the talking and, you know, they'll respect you. And that's, that's what ended up happening. I have still have great friends from, you know, being on that high school team for four years and, and I still keep in touch with them. And, um, you know, you make friendships for a lifetime doing that kind of stuff. Right. So I, I was thinking about you yesterday and this whole, and the whole pro golfer thing, just a pro athlete, when did you, I mean, because even like with me for winemaking, I was talking to David Graves the other day, um, and we've both been making wine over 30 years. And um, I asked him, I said, do you, do you ever feel like you totally have it? He goes, no. I said, me either. So but as a pro athlete, when did you, when did it click? When did it, you actually think to yourself, hey, I'm, I'm really good at this. Not that you're being vain or anything like that, but it's like, man, this can, I can really do this. I can be a pro. When did that happen? I don't, I don't know if I ever really looked at it that way because I always felt like I was fated to do this. Like I was born to do this. It huh. wasn't like a realization that I was really good. Um, I mean, I think that came along the way, but I mean, even now as a pro golfer doing it for 25 years, you still don't feel like you have it just like you guys, you still don't feel like you ever really have it. But, um, I don't know, like, yeah, a lot of people say, how do you know you were supposed to do this? And I said, since I was 10 years old watching Freddie Couples on <laughs> the bed in my bedroom, like hanging up in the bank on number 12, like at Augusta, like watching him win the Masters, like watching, you know, yeah. like I, I've always known that I was meant to play professional golf. And I feel like sometimes things in life are just God given. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I never questioned that. Even when it got tough, I have always had faith that things would turn around and, and you never give up. I mean, and that's, I think that's been kind of like my mantra. My, my spirit is that I, I never give up. And maybe that's one of the reasons I've been successful, but, um, I've always felt like I was meant to do this, whether it was, you know, my parents helped to give me that confidence that I could do it. I mean, it wasn't all easy going along, growing up, playing in junior amateur tournaments. And then professionally, I didn't succeed in the beginning. And you just wonder why, why me? Like, why? And I, the only reason I can turn to is God given talent. It's God given perseverance. And I'm one of the people that he's chosen on the earth to do good things and yeah. give back. And I feel like that's really kind of why I've succeeded. Yeah. Well, and, and, you know, I was reading, you know, I'm reading up on you. I mean, you were a junior golf champion, Florida state champion three years in a row, 93, 94, 95. That's starting at age 16. That's pretty, that's pretty amazing. I mean, that's, that's really cool. <laughs> yeah. I'm just, I did. Know. I've done a lot of really cool things and I feel like I'm turning 43 this year and I'm like having to write them all down now and remember them all because <laughs> join the club, my friend. <laughs> like I want, yeah, exactly. I've won like 20 tournaments and a European tour event. And like, if I had to remember them right now, I couldn't, tell you offhand like what they were um i can tell you my last three because they came in one year in 17 but um i have my perpetual mommy brain like, well I, you know i'm like, I'm like no, why did i go in the fridge why did i go in the pantry where's my phone <laughs> yeah i don't know you know it's it's funny because i don't know if it's a memory thing with age or it's just uh you know, we all have that many more years. I've got the questions, you know, like, hey, what was the 88 harvest like? It's like, 
Oh man, I don't remember that. That was a long no. time ago. You know, there's a it... reason Wine Spectator publishes vintage shirts. <laughs> <laughs> That's the reason. I knew it. Oh, so after these junior tournaments, and so you forego college and decide to go pro. I was curious about that decision. Going pro, skipping college. <laughs> were your folks okay with that? Was that a tough decision? I, you know, tell me about that one. We made it as a family. Um, I mean, I was so immensely talented and my GPA was 4.35 and I finished high school pretty much in my junior year so that I could do a work study program for Jim McLean and, 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 you know, work for his golf schools. And, um, he's, he's always been my big mentor is, is Jim McLean. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one of the top, you know, three coaches ever, um, and so I got to work at his golf schools and practice and stuff and get ready to play professional golf. Like my, my parents and I made the decision that if golf didn't work out with my grades, I could always go back to school and get a degree. We didn't like the idea of going for a year and quitting, Okay, going for two years and quitting and taking a scholarship away from another female athlete because at the time there weren't that many available. Um, so it was either this, the decision to try to go to school. Cause if I went to school, I was going to go for four, four years and get a degree. Right. Um, if, and if I wanted to try to play golf, I was going to try to play golf. So, you know, it was one or the other and my grades were good enough that I could have gone on an academic scholarship after. So, uh, it was a decision to go all in. That's so cool. So you're like, uh, this was 96, 97, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you were 18, 19, 20. And your dad was a big help, right? That's what I was reading. Yeah. Was- I mean, my mom stayed at home and, you know, took care of the house. And sure. my dad um, took a sabbatical from, you know, teaching. He, you know, my dad taught K through five for 40 years. Wow. Um, and, um, you know, he traveled with me for my first couple of years until I was ready to do it on my own. So uh, it was, it was, it was very difficult the first couple of years because transitioning from junior and amateur golf to professional golf was kind of a shock. I mean, you know, I was head and shoulders above everybody in junior and amateur golf um, most of the time. But, you know, in professional golf, everybody can play every right. week. So, you know, it took me six years to win my first tournament. Wow. But, and that, but that was probably challenging because you'd won so much as a, as, as a junior, as an amateur. But, shock, complete yeah. shock. But, you know, I mean, I think as a young person, everybody can have a little bit too much overconfidence when they think they're really good at something. And then they realize a lot of other people are good at it too. Yeah. But yeah. Cause the whole, the whole, the pressure must've just been totally different. Um, totally different. Yeah. I mean, and you see it, you see, you even see it now with like Maria Fossi. I mean, she carries the ball off the tee, like two sixty five, two seventy. you know, she's the longest out there, but right. she's struggling to make cuts because golf really is about winning that battle within yourself. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm a very, very amateur golfer and it's uh, we have a love hate relationship through the years. So in fact, we well, took, Silverado, we, Silverado is very close to Schaefer. So yeah, you but can go there anytime you want. That's <laughs> <laughs> no excuses. I know well, I'm busy. I'm making wine. Got to make wine, making so wine, making wine. You know, you know, the summer months, uh, <laughs> <so> <laughs> busy. uh, you know too much about my business since you're a vintner too. I do. So you're cranking this golf. And so how, what happened with the wine thing you touched on earlier? There was a tournament up here. You started coming up, going to wineries. Tell me, tell me more about that. Yeah. In my early twenties, um, just, Obviously, I'd traveled the world, but never really, you know, I'd, I'd always liked wine, but I never really dove into it. 
And once I got a kind of a behind the scenes look um, with a bunch of different wineries in Napa, um, you know, it was, you know, whether it was going to visit Turley or Staglin or, or I've been to Schaefer as well. Like it, it was really, really interesting to me, the minutia of everything and, and how wine is a living, breathing product, you know, and it's right. ever changing. And I felt like there were a lot of correlations between that and golf. And, um, I just started learning about it, just really started learning about it, making a lot of friends um, and, you know, we approached a couple different wineries about, uh, doing a project and a big company approached us and we really didn't see eye to eye on the, the type of wine that we wanted to make. And I wanted to make a very high end Napa Valley cab just because my palate really loved it. And, um, you know, I got the opportunity to go meet with Suzanne pride from pride mountain vineyards. And, um, you know, after meeting with a few other wineries, um, actually, Dave Miner raised $25,000 for our breast cancer charity. Um, a lot of people don't know how much he's into the philanthropic uh, aspect of things, but yeah, um, talk, talk to me. I'm going to, I'm interrupting you. Sorry, coach. Sure. But, um, talk to me a little bit about that. Your charity, the whole breast cancer charity, which was big. Cause that was like 2003 or so. What, tell me about that. Yeah. My mother was diagnosed in 2002 with breast cancer. Um, uh, stage two, um, she had a lumpectomy radiation, um, and, and has been a survivor for a long time now. Wow. And her sister had it. My godmother had it. My best friend's mother had it. And it just, I felt very helpless. I had always gone to other people's charity events just to support things. And mm-hmm. I felt very helpless at the time going through, um, not being able to really accept to go to visits, not being able to really do anything. Um, and so I took matters into my own hands and my husband and I created birdies for breast cancer. And we started very modestly where, you know, to this day, I still give $50 per birdie I make. Um, you know, an Eagle is double that. Right. And, uh, I get, you know, my sponsors to match me donations. You know, we, we didn't have an event this past year just because of, um, you know, getting our new business off the ground. But, um, you know, we, we raised over four and a half million dollars for breast cancer research in about a 13 year period of time. We've had 12 events. Uh, we have a women's health center in New Jersey still, um, that, uh, is all privately funded and anybody can go get diagnosed, treated counseled, whether they have the ability to pay or not. So we're very, very proud of that. And the, the, the operation in Jersey, that's called the Christy Kerr women's health center, right? Yeah. And I did not actually want it named after me. And the groundbreaking was really funny. The, um, the priest said, made a joke, you know, you've done something (laughs) really good and important when they name something after you when you're still alive. (laughs) (laughs) How come, why is it in New Jersey if you're based in Arizona? Because, um, we lived in New York, you know, for my husband's from New York city. My whole family is from New York city or long Island. I lived in New York city with my husband since 2002. Okay. 2003. So, um, I played at, I still play, I'm still a member of Liberty national golf club and I became very close to the fireman family and the fireman family ob- obviously owns a lot of golf courses and, um, Liberty national golf club, um, in Jersey city is one of them where they have the Barclays. They've had the, you know, the president's cup there. And, right. um, I'm fortunate enough to be an ambassador for that golf course still. And I had a great relationship with the fireman family. The fireman started, Reebok in the United States and, and they're massive into philanthropic causes. And, um, they knew, they knew people at Jersey city medical center and we came up with an idea to have an event there for 10 years. And 
pledge a million and a half dollars and and we we met that um you know that that grant i guess or whatever you call it right. the the money that you give um so it was sort of like right time right place let's do something really cool that'll help the community and um you know i lived right in the west village and i played right at liberty national golf club so i was sort of a local that's cool so birdies for breast cancer. I'm kind of curious. Can people contribute that to that? I'm just you. They can. Okay. So they where, can. They can a, go to. There's a website for they, it. I'm sure. Yeah, they can go to birdiesforbreastcancer.com. Okay. okay. And when you have events, are they just like uh, fundraisers, or is it like a golf event? What type of? Yeah, they're golf tournaments. They're golf tournaments. So they're usually like a pre-party the night before, um, and um, you know, a full breakfast and golf day and auction and dinner and stuff after and thomas our last one we did was at the olympic club in san francisco because we moved it out west because of the wine business so um (laughs) well good so so would you tag me so i can donate a big bottle of wine for this thing please absolutely and and i I might just bid on it (laughs) good and i won't i won't play but maybe i can come down carry your bag for a couple holes just for fun it's pretty cool you know um i got to the privilege of playing with with thomas keller the entire day oh, um, the last time so he's, he's a, a big he's a, golfer he's a big golfer yeah i heard about that yeah he's a big golfer and i i feel like uh what what's happening to restaurants right now is just brutal it's tough so um uh, whether it's ming sai or chef tim hollingsworth or daniel balud or chef keller like you they all have respective foundations you guys can all go online right. and uh and donate too but um Gavin Kaysen up in Minnesota. Um, I got to meet all these guys like during the Rob Report event that we did in San Diego. And, um, you know, I've known Chef Keller for a long time before that. But, yeah, so we have golf tournaments and celebrities come and golfers and people can buy foursomes. And cool. um, we we just took a year off. We just took a year off because we're trying to find a permanent home for this. And and it's, it's hard because it's moved around a bit. But um, I don't know. Maybe Napa Valley is it. Maybe Napa you know, <laughs> definitely. And Johnny Miller, um, I'm, you know, I guess when you become successful enough as a professional golfer, people want you to play out of their courses. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm lucky enough to be able to go out to Silverado. So maybe that's it. There you go. Let me know just yeah. up the road. Mm-hmm. So, very cool. Um, so back, so you met Suzanne pride at pride Vintner pride winery. That's that, that's yes. how you hooked up with finding someone to help make you make wine. Right. Well, my husband knew somebody in a previous life, like, like industry wise, um, in the, the health and fitness industry. And then this person went to work for like a massive, massive wine and wine company. And, you know, from 2006 to 2007 and a half, um, we kind of went back and forth as far as what we wanted to do and never saw really eye to eye on the kind of, kind of wine and, and how we wanted to do it. So um, I kind of took matters into my own hands in 2008 and just wrote emails basically to a bunch of different vintners that I had become friendly with. And, and Pride Mountain Vineyards was, you know, the one that, well, Miner was interested, but uh, you know, the timing wasn't right, but right. Dave Miner did raise $25,000 for a breast cancer charity, which is amazing. That's great. Um, and, um, you know, the prides were like, when can you come out here? And we we're out there five days later going, well, if something <laughs> works out, it works out. And if not, we'll have a nice couple day holiday in Napa, right. my husband and I. So, um, you know, Tim, we got to meet 
everybody at Pride, Tim Boucher was a good friend of ours. He's the tasting room manager up at Pride. And if anybody hasn't gone up to Pride or to Schaefer, I really implore them to. <laughs> um, uh, and became very friendly with Suzanne, got to sit and talk to her about our vision. And, you know, she tried to dissuade us from from doing this. And, you know, after about an hour of telling us why, like, we shouldn't do this. It's hard. Nobody's, you know, it's hard to succeed. Marketing, right. how are you going to sell mm -hmm. it? Distribution, all this. Um, I told her I wanted to make 150 cases of high-end Napa Valley Cabernet, and I didn't want to make any money on it. And she was like, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. And I said, I want to, I, you know, we were knee deep in our, our foundation work. And I said, I want to give the money away to breast cancer research. So we, we, wow. we, uh, it, it was pretty, pretty amazing story. She was being treated for breast cancer at the same time. Oh, uh, her father was, had blad bladder cancer. They would hold hands during treatment and, um, oh. he didn't make it and she did. And, you know, she's always been really entrenched with the V Foundation and a lot of other altruistic causes, but she was like, let's do this. So wow. we created a grant uh, for research um, at Stanford Hospital. And, you know, we gave, I think it was 150000 at least to 200000 wow. from the profits of curvature over the years. So it, we, it was cool. She was like, you're either going to get popular and start another brand one day and leave the nest or we're going to kick you out. <laughs> so it's and called, luckily, it was, it was called, it was yeah. called curvature, right? And still going. Curvature. 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 It was kind of a playoff, uh, my name, which I, I did not want to name it after myself because I wanted people to see the wine for what it was. And, uh, you know, as you know, having an altruistic, a stigma behind a wine, people automatically think it's not going to be good. And then it started to get a lot of accolades. It got served in the White House at a state dinner. We, we you know, we're starting to show up on lists at the French Laundry and, yeah. you know, a lot of other restaurants. And it became pretty popular and people really got the wine and um, what it was. And, and um, it was a great Napa Valley cab at a great price for a great cause. And you're, you're, and, st and you're still making it, right? Well, 2000, we just, we talked about doing it for 10 years right? and, um, Suzanne started divesting, um, you know, a little bit of what she was doing at the winery and, you know, we started our, our new project, you know, our new, uh, brand Kerr sellers, um, of which we got introduced to Helen Kaplinger from Sally Johnson, who's the winemaker mm -hmm. up at pride. Right. Um, and, um, you know. We, we did it for, whatever, 10, 12 years. That's fantastic. So that's a pretty good run. That's a great run. And, and something you don't know, well, maybe you might. Suzanne's husband, Stuart Brian, was sales manager here at Schaefer back in the, gosh, mid-90s, I think, for four or five years. I do know. I do you know do that. Know and that. I, know, okay. I know Stuart very well. I thought Stuart's that was going to be a big surprise. Okay. Stuart's the driving reason why we make Sauvignon, the driving reason <laughs> behind why we make a great Sauvignon Blanc right now. That's true. He's a good guy. Good guy. Great. That's, Amazing that's, guy. Small world. So very that, small. that uh, big success over 10, 12, 14 years, and then all of a sudden you got a new brand coming. Tell me about that. That was 2012 you started up? Yeah, in 2012, we met Helen Kaplinger, okay. and um, we had lunch. We talked about, you know, what we were doing with the prides. We talked about possibly because of the success of that, wanting to start, you know, a for-profit winery um, a label, and um, we just hit it off immediately and um, looked at each other across the way and said, "What do you want to make? Well, what do you want to make?" And <laughs> you know, in 2013, I mean, and she's just 
Sally Johnson's amazing. Helen's amazing. I mean, there's so many great people in the Napa Valley. I'm so, I'm, my gut is wrenching for all you guys right now, all the wineries that are so hurting because of this. Um, but, um, you know, Helen and I, through sourcing and, and what we were able to, to get and the relationships and the great growers, um, because we're negotiants, um, we were able to make an amazing Sauvignon Blanc, which was Sauvignon Blanc, Sauvignon Semillon, and in some years we had a little Sauvert, right. um, a, a, basically a single vineyard uh, Pinot from Sonoma Coast, okay. um, from the U- Ulysses Valdez family. And, um, you know, we made a, you know, there were so many, so many strong Napa Valley cabs and it's getting more and more competitive. We wanted to come out of the box with something different. Mm-hmm. So we decided to make like a Bordeaux style blend, which was straight 50, 50 cab Merlot, um, you know, from some, from great sourcing in, in Napa and up on Pritchard Hill. And, um, so we came out with a, a reserve red wine, a proprietary blend. And, um, out of the box, I got 98 points from, from Robert Parker. So, nice. I mean, you can't really, Good yeah, start. you can't really, uh, yeah, it's a great start. It's an amazing start. So you've got the three wines and you've got how, how many cases total? Well, that was in 2013. Okay. Um, and coming up in 2018, when, when all of those get, you know, obviously, um, we're going to be bottling in May for our Bordeaux varietals. Um, we'll have hit about 3,500 case production and we'll have about nine SKU. So okay. we'll have our Saw Blanc, we'll have two single vineyard, um, Sonoma Coast, um, Chardonnay, one from Ruid Vineyard and one from the UV Vineyard. Okay. We'll have a Manzanita Pinot, uh, single vineyard from Sonoma Coast. We'll have, um, you know, a straight Appalachian Napa Valley Cab. We will have, um, what else do we have? Uh, we'll have three single vineyard Napa Valley Cab from um, from WAPO, from, um, um, George's the third, Beckstoffer George's right, the third. Right. Um, and also from, uh, the Red Hen Vineyard, which is, um, Bart Araujo's old estate. Uh-huh. Uh, we'll have also a single vineyard Petit Verdot, um, from Sage Ridge, which is pretty exciting. Wow. So, okay. I'm, uh, you're in Scottsdale, you're a professional golfer. You're married. You've got two kids under six years old. You, your golf career has you traveling all the time. You're making these beautiful wines in Napa Valley with Helen. How do you, <laughs> how do you do? It? How do you do it? And how and what's how's it work with you and production and harvest and blending and how do you? I was well, curious about that. I, you know, honestly, I feel like I juggle a lot of things really well. Um, Obviously, I'm in the latter years of my golf career, so you know wine is starting to become more and more of a focus. Um, you know, I do all all the blending with Helen. We blend probably four or five times a year. Um, you know, I've got an amazing team around us: um, Matthew Lane, who's Napa based, who is our global sales director and EVP. Okay. We've got a director of operations, Abby Diviak. Uh, Chalice Angoli used to live in Napa, is now in San Diego. Um, Kelly Keeney, who's our uh, also a professional golfer, two-time U.S. Amateur Champion and Tour Champion, is our director of events, and she lives in Dallas. Okay. So we we have a lot of support, and my husband's the president. My husband Eric is uh, Eric Stevens is the president of the company. So I have a lot of support around me, so that when I'm playing, I'm able to focus on my playing. Okay. And when it's time to go to take the hour and a half flight to Napa, we go. <laughs> so um, you know, I try to get up there as much as possible. Um, you know, I mean, obviously yeah. with COVID, who knows what's going to happen. Thank God it's not in the peak of harvest. Right. 
Right. Um, but Helen, we rely a ton on Helen and Helen's a rock star. She, yeah, she helps us yeah. with everything, all our sourcing. And, um, you know, we have a great label company in MCC and, and Scott Ritter over there. So we've got a great team. Good. Sounds like it. Well, Helen's great. She was on here a few months ago on the, on sat down with me and it was really good to get to know her and hear her story. Fascinating. But, uh, yeah. And she makes and she really is, good wine. She makes really good wine and she is, she's very meticulous and persnickety like I am. And, um, I've learned a ton from her every time I sit down and I try not to interject too much, um, <laughs> because she really is the, you know, one of the Dalai Lamas of wine. <laughs> there you go. Um, and you mentioned Eric, your husband, how'd you guys meet? He um, was my agent, Okay. believe it or not. I was actually engaged to somebody else when I first met him. <laughs> um, and this person, that's a whole other ball of wax. Um, nothing nefarious happened. Um, oh, it, that's okay. <laughs> I, was en- I was engaged to somebody in the Marine Corps, and um, we were two months away from our wedding, and then September 11th happened, and oh, he was going to be deployed. And I was like, I don't know if I can do this. I'm sorry right. if we're meant to be what we're meant to be, and we weren't. Uh, and Eric helped me through the whole thing. And then, you know, about a year later we got together and the rest is history. So he's, he was your agent. Does he play golf? He likes to play golf. You guys, he, ever, um, you guys ever play together? How's that work? We, <laughs> 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 he likes to play and, uh, we're, you know, it, it, it's fun to, uh, to be out there with, with the force <laughs> with my husband. He has a hockey slap shot golf swing. Because he, he <laughs> almost played professional hockey. He was an athlete as well. And, oh, cool. and that's one of the reasons why he got in the, uh, the sports marketing business. And, um, but my husband's got a whole nother background. He used to train like really famous people. And then he helped build Chelsea Piers in New York and Floyd Bennett field out in Brooklyn. And wow. so he's got a very business background. Got it. And you've got, so two, we make a good team. You do. And you got two, two little boys, two and six. Yeah. Is that what their ages are? Yep, Mason is six, and Griffin is a year and a half. And uh, I don't know what sports they're going to be playing, but they're going to be really good. I just know it. <laughs> I can tell. Maybe. Right I don't now. know. I think Mason will be the brainiac uh, academic one, and Griffin's already thrown a ball, so who knows. But <laughs> I'll expose them to things. I don't sure. want to push too much just because I know how hard this lifestyle is, and I want them to do what they truly want to do. I, and you know, but what's crazy is every time we're drinking wine, Griffin wants to stick his hand in there. And we're like, no, no, no. And he's like moving wine boxes around and he's one and a half. So maybe he'll run the company someday. <laughs> and you mentioned earlier about the, the, the SOM test. You passed level one, the quarter master SOMs. Yes. I passed it about a little over two years ago. Right. And, um, you know, I've been meaning to do the certified specialist of wine, but uh, with, you know, whatever, three different businesses and kids, everything gets really busy. But um, WSET right now is kind of in my sights. Um, right. cool. I kind of want to just kind of do it all. I don't know. Maybe I'm insane. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, that's that's a big one to take on. But, you know, with, yeah. you, with what you're doing, it seems like it's no no big deal. You're just... Oh, no, it, it's... Just a, gotta, I mean, everything's real busy. You just got to find a, a time to be able to do it all. And I feel like I never went to college and maybe this the wine education stuff is kind of my college. Right, right. Because I always really liked learning. Well, yeah, you just keep learning forever. I, I actually would like to go back to college and do it again. I'd want to take art history. I want to take history. I want to, you know... Music appreciation, I mean, I think that's, everything is stuff. Yeah, I, never I think got if to you take. really, if you really like learning, I feel like you people will be really apt for the wine business because you, you, there's a lot of like big things to learn, but there's a lot of little really finesse and minutia things about winemaking that 
you know, people can learn. I'm, I'm very fortunate. I'm very happy. I'm not the winemaker. (laughs) (laughs) I help with branding and blending and things that I know I can do well, but I mean, what you guys do is, is just amazing. Yeah. But see, I feel the same way about you. Um, so tell me about that professional golf, the wine business parallels, differences, One's a break from the um, other. Are they same? Are they similar? I think it's everything. Honestly, uh. there are a lot of parallels um, with how you do things to become successful and do things the right way, tend to things the right way. You mm-hmm. get a good product or a good score. Um, you know, there's a lot of differences as well. I mean, um, golf's very much in my control, and the wine business is very much not in my control. It's in the hands of the consumer. It's in the hands of the distributorships. It's it's um, in the hands of the people rating your wines, um, you know, so there's a lot of differences, um, but a lot of parallels as well. Yeah, interesting. I was thinking about that. You know, it's golf. It's all, it's all you. It's, it's, is it, I always thought that golf's not a team sport, but it probably is. You probably got good support with uh, trainers yes, and with, coaches and that type well, of thing. Used to be trainers. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> used to be trainers with a gun busy. Some things have to fall by the wayside. And, right. Um, but, um, um, yeah, trainer, you know, I'm got to get back into that part, but, um, you know, uh, mental coach, um, golf coach, um, you know, whatever it may be, whether it's the LPGA or, you know, everybody's there to support you and help you do your best. That's cool. Um, I was reading up on you. I came across something in 2019, a Scotch whiskey partnership. Tell me about that. (laughs) It's amazing what I can find, huh? You know, learning to become a psalm, you learn about a lot more than just making wine. You learn about scotch. You learn about sake. You learn about beer. You learn about a lot of other other things. Yeah, of course. Um, And I got the opportunity when I was at the Scottish Open to go visit um, Loch Lomond Distillery, um, which, you know, is in Loch Lomond. It was a two-hour drive each way. And, you know, the tournament said, Hey, you want to go and help, you know, cause they're a partner of the tournament do some PR and, and, you know, you'll get a tour of the distillery and get to taste some scotch and yada, yada, yada. And yeah. when in Scotland, one in Rome, you, you go do it. And, um, it was just really in- interesting to see all of the, the little finite stuff that they do to make their scotch. And it's a lot higher alcohol. So there's, you have to have that certain palette, like their master blender has to be almost immune to the alcohol to be able to, to blend right, right. down, you know, for the 10, 12, 15 different kinds of scotch that they make. And, um, we got very friendly with Colin, who is the owner of, of, of Loch Lomond. And, um, he was just happened to be there by happenstance that day. And we got to meet him and I just started asking him questions about the Solaris system they use for aging and, right. you know, the different, um, pot stills and different, you know, the different kind of stills they have and, you know, the different strain of yeast they use for fermentation. And, um, it just got really interesting. And then we went and tasted the different scotch and, um, they make an amazing product and we struck up a friendship and, you know, about a year later, they're like, we're doing a scotch with two PGA tour players, a senior tour player, um, you know, right. um, and a PJ tour player. So Darren Clark and Colin, Colin Montgomery, and we would love to do one with you as well. And we came up with this idea that we were going to do a 16 year single malt scotch and we were going to ship our Pinot Noir barrels <laughs> <laughs> over there to age, you know, for the last 10 months of its life cycle, life cycle. And it, well, uh, it got re- yeah, it got released in Asia, 2,000 bottles, and now 2,000 bottles in U.S., which the Stoli Group um, controls. And, uh, you know, we help sell. And, um, 
You got 94 points by one whiskey advocate. Look at so, you. Look at you. Look at, why? Look at just, you. <laughs> I didn't make it. I just gave him the barrels, but I, I did help to taste it and stuff. And it's, that's a whole nother ball of wax, but it was very interesting and a really cool experience. And now we're trying to figure out how to sell it in, in the U S you know, cause we're, we're partners with that brand. It's not our brand. So we're partners with, with Lock Lomond. That's cool. I, uh, in listening to your story, I had a flashback because again, I think I was doing, I was doing a winemaker dinner up in Scotland. I don't know when it must've been 20 years ago. And <clears throat> it was a good group, 30, 20, 30 people. I got along. We had a, it was one of those nights where it just clicks and everybody's having a good time. And so when it was all done and instead of taking off, I ended up hanging out with these three or four couples and they were saying, you know, Hey, you know, you know much about scotch. I said, you know, I, I don't know a thing. I've never been a scotch guy. And they said, and then these three, three or four guys looked at each other and said, well, let's take care of this man. But I mean, in a good way, but they, they got yeah. four or five different types of scotch with a pitcher of water. And they, you know, they gave me a whole education and it was, that'll get ugly real fast. Well, no, no, we were good. We were good, but uh, yeah, it could, it could have gotten ugly, but it was fascinating. It was just, it's great night, you know, and a, a cold wintry night in Scotland. Uh, and drinking scotch. I mean, it's just so different. I mean, there are so many different types of scotch and, ob- and obviously bourbon in the States and depending on where it's made, right. the style in which you make it. I mean, obviously Highland and Lowland style in Scotland are very different, but whether it's, you know, a Madeira cask or a Sherry cask or, you know, a Triplewood cask or, you know, a Pinot Noir barrel, like right. wine barrels are becoming more and more heavily sought after because of the qualities that they can instill in the scotch. So um, it's, it's all really interesting. Well, it's, it's, it's what's fun about it and that and wine and the whole thing. Tell me about your taste. You start, you've been enjoying wine for years and years and years. Have, has your palate changed? Have, did you start with certain varietals and move to new ones or is it still pretty much uh, California palate, Napa palate? Um, my palate's all over the place right now. I mean, I, I still love the amazing, you know, Napa Valley, big Cabernet, elegant, like layered textured Cabernets. I love the red blends from California. Um, obviously the Chardonnays, um, you know, uh, I mean, all different wines. I mean, I'm, you know, since studying to become a Psalm, like I've really dove into France and Spain and Australia nice. and Austria and Switzerland. You know, when I was in Switzerland, I, you know, I went and did tastings and, um, you know, I've been able to taste in the Willamette Valley, um, in the Barassa, in Adelaide Hills. And, um, you know, I went to Burgundy, I've, you know, I've been all over the place now and, and I, you know, there's definitely things I prefer to drink, but I, I'm sort of a Libra. Like I, never really settle and make a decision on anything. Like I, I like to try a lot of different things and, and obviously setting to become a SOM, one of the big things is food and wine pairing. So I'm always trying to find the, you know, the right pairings for things. And, right. um, th- there's so many wines, so little time, like I'm going to make a t-shirt someday that says that. <laughs> <laughs> um, question for you. I was thinking about you. Well, I, I think I know the answer. I was going to say, what do you do for fun other than golf? Or actually, maybe golf's not fun. Along with that, do you ever like take a golf vacation? I'm thinking probably, I don't know. We have, you know, yeah. well, not you, not in a while, but not in a while. Yeah, but, you got um, a couple For my kids. husband's 40th, yeah, 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 we haven't since they've been born. We haven't taken right. more than a two-day, you know, one of my lucky, <laughs> one of my sponsors is MGM. and, and That'll you know, change. That'll ch- I promise you that yeah, will change. You'll, uh, you'll four see. and a half hour drive from, from, uh from Scottsdale we've only taken basically like two or three days here or there 
over the years. But um, yeah, I mean, no, I mean, I, I do a lot of things for fun. Uh, obviously, learning about wine for me is is kind of an obsession okay. now, as as people can imagine when you start learning about it. And one of my friends, Danny Homequist on the tour, um, you guys were, were, you know, that you guys sent her some wine and now she's, you know, studying for her level three WSET. And, um, you know, I've, you know, I started tasting group on tour that oh, we fun. go to dinner periodically and do different things. And, um, it's, it's pretty cool. Um, obviously wine, um, you know, I like being outdoors, you know, yeah. hiking and biking stuff in Scottsdale, I'm um, doing stuff with my kids. Um, I'm kind of obsessed with cleaning right now. I don't know if that's everybody <laughs> that's in quarantine. Yeah, um, you mentioned that before. I love it. You, I you are obsessed with have, it. You, you keep talking yeah, about it. I, I like it. I mean, I see, I'm looking, I'm sitting in a room right now. That's like the room where the crib is. So it's quiet. And there's like a smudge in the window and I'm staring at it. <laughs> so I, I have to clean this. All right. We got to get you out of the house. Um, yeah, no kidding. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Oh, we're all, you know, and you know, we all have up days and down days. It's, uh, it's really funny. I, my daughter called me yesterday and she's, she lives here in Napa. She's got a couple little kids about the same age as yours. And, uh, but you know, she was just having an off day and so was I. And so we just kind of lamented. And then she called this morning and she goes, I'm having a better day. I said, me too. So it's, you know, day to day for everybody out here. Yeah. And you, you talk about the similarities between winemaking and golf, like getting outside, getting your hands on the club, like doing something is yeah. very soul satisfying. Mm. And so whether it's you guys going, you know, for first bud break or you're pruning or whatever you're doing, like just doing something, feeling accomplished, feeling like you accomplished something in your respective field, like that's very satisfying right now. And, I've, and everybody, whether it's completing a quiz on the internet or reading a book or doing something right now. Like people just have to find things to do. Yeah. You just have to. So, so we're doing it. So what's going on with Curacellers in the future? Any, any new, well, you've got nine different SKUs, but anything else coming up in the works? Well, we're doing a really cool wine for the Fairmont Grand El Mar in San Diego. Cool. Um, uh, Le Grand uh, Sauvignon Blanc and Cab for them. Um, we're hoping, we're hoping, hoping, to be able to open a tasting room in the next 12 months. Oh, neat. Um, yeah, in Napa. So whether it's Napa or or Yonville or, or St. Helena, we're looking at all of that because, you know, obviously, you know, rents are high and, you know, spaces are big and we're a little brand. So we're trying to find the right, you know, the right home. Yeah, I was going to ask um, you about that because your, your, your wines are uh, custom crushed. Where, you guys, where do you guys make your wines at? We make our wine at a Cuvasan. Okay. Uh, we're custom cr crushed within, within that house. And, um, um, obviously we, we work out of Copper Peak and, and okay. different, uh, different, uh, uh, places that help with our wine shipping and club and stuff. Uh, but we have a wine club, cursellers.com. Okay. And, uh, you know, our membership is growing and, uh, you know, we're going to be launching a new website at the end of the year. So all very exciting things. Good. So if, if people want to buy your wines, is websites the best place? Is it? Yep. Cursellers.com. Cursellers.com. Cool. So everybody, everybody get out there and check out that wine because you're home and you can do it. <laughs> yes, that's right. And we're, we're running great specials right now. And, um, you know, we're very much a direct to consumer brand and, um, you know, we want to, we want to do things with excellence and we always want to over deliver on the quality of our wine for the price. Super, super. Christy, thank you so much for taking the time today. Really appreciate it. 
really enjoyed being on in the conversation. Thank you so much. And uh, next time you're in the Valley, just give me a buzz. Shoot me an email so we'll get together, have a glass of wine, a cup of coffee, something. I know you're busy out here, but I'd love to, love to say hey for a second. There's always time for wine. There you go. All right. Good luck to you. Be good. Thanks. You too. See you. Bye-bye. See ya. Hey, thanks for checking out this new episode. I hope you enjoy getting to know Christy Kerr's story, her life with golf and her new life with wine. Be sure to do yourself a favor and check out her wines at kerrsellers.com. If you're enjoying the taste, please take a moment to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts as it helps other people find the podcast. And if you want to get in touch, please send an email to podcast at shapervineyards.com. Stay strong, stay well, and we'll see you next time.